it's not always about kind of taking away the sting of those things that they're saying to themselves in sort of one second. It's more about starting to question because I think when we start to question that negative voice, that's a really, really powerful tool for not letting it stop us in our tracks. Welcome to Captivate the Room with your host, internationally known voice expert, Tracy Goodwin, an award-winning speaker who has taught hundreds around the globe to make a big impact with their voice. This podcast is for anyone who wants to step onto a bigger stage, make a bigger impact, and have a voice that makes people listen. Presentation matters, and the voice is the missing link. Join in and you'll see why. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Goodwin. And I'm so glad to have you with me today. Thank you so much for your shares and your downloads. And for those of you that have left a review, I sure do appreciate it. I've got a great episode for you today. Super special guest with me, Jessica Fernley. And I know you're going to love to hear what she has to say. But very quickly, just want to give you a heads up and a reminder, if you have not signed up for my three video series training, it's a free training make sure you go over to captivattheroom.com forward slash voice formula and check out those three video series. They're going to be chock full of great techniques that you can start implementing right away to make a bigger impact with your message using your voice. Okay, I've got a wonderful guest today. Now, this is Jessica Fernley, and she is actually a a friend of mine through LinkedIn and through a, a number of people that mutual contacts and with a connection through a program that we did together. And she's really, really amazingly cool. One of the things that I love about Jessica is when you meet her, you feel like you've known her your whole life. And that's that voice connection that I talk about not hiding behind any voice masks. But let me tell you a little bit about her. She's a business coach who helps women build seven-figure consulting firms. Now, hold the phone. If you're not a woman, you still want to hear what she has to say because we've got a great conversation coming up for you. But Jessica specializes in the transition from six to seven figures in turnover and is an advocate for earning more by working less. Jessica has bachelor's and master's degrees from Nottingham University and a career background in project management, business planning, and business development in both the public and the private sector. She was recently named as one of the LinkedIn top voices for entrepreneurship and small business and is passionate about closing the gender pay gap for women in consulting. I know you're going to love this conversation, and she is dropping so many amazing nuggets. I don't want you to miss this. Let's head over to the show. Jessica, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you with us today. Thank you for having me, Tracy. It's great to be here. You know, Jessica and I know each other from a mutual friend and a mutual group that we're in together. And We had a chat a little while ago, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, time just flies. And she's one of these people that when you meet her, so easy to connect with and you feel like you've known her your whole life. And I'm fascinated with the work that she does. She does some really, really cool and impressive work. And I knew I had to bring her on the show. So with that, let's start with what do you do? How'd you get into it? Why do you do it? Give us the background. Awesome. So I am a business coach for women consultants, and it's women consultants who have their own consultancy brand that is corporate consultancy. So a B2B sales model with big organizations like supermarkets, banks, airlines, that kind of thing. They're doing large scale consulting contracts for these companies. And it's usually taking their expertise that they have refined during their own corporate career that they are now doing under their own business, under their own brand. So yeah, it's work that I really love to do. Now, how long have you done this work? This is, is, this is not what you've always done. No. So I've been doing this for six years now. Um, my background originally is project management and business planning and business development. 
And I also built up a consultancy firm that was eventually sold. So when I came on board, it was at the low six figures. We built it up to seven figures and then it was sold. And that's what you do now with women, isn't it? Help them build their brand and their business into a seven-figure business? Yeah. So, and part of the reason for that was that I loved that process of kind of taking the business through those stages of growth up to where it's kind of the seven-figure stage. It's starting to feel more established. And certainly I remember when I was in that situation working for the business and it was getting bigger, I I had this thing of like, oh, you know, I, I really miss the old days when we were kind of, we were working out how we were going to do all of these things. And I think that was the thing that first gave me a bit of a spark for like actually growing businesses and going through that process. A big part of it is mindset. And that's something that we very much did not know at the time that we were building that business. So yeah, I've absolutely learned a ton of things along the journey that I bring into my work now. And I want to talk about mindset and I want to go there next, but I have a question first. You're really, you're very, you're a strategist, aren't you? Mm, Yes, I am. Yeah. So that saying that Marie Forleo has about everything is figure outable. That's like, that's, you enjoy that, don't you? It's, It's figuring it out and how to make it work. I feel like that's one of your assets. Would you say that's one of the strengths that you bring to the people you work with? I think so. Like I'm very stubborn and (laughs) I'm very driven and, you know, I've, I've been a nightmare to live with. So, you know, my poor parents (laughs) and my siblings, they put up with a lot when I was growing up, but um, I've always been able to look at something and not see how it is, but see what it could be and work out what to do to make the work in progress become the finished article. That's very much something that I love to do. So you just don't like to hear no. Uh, no, not really. I, I really do well working for myself because the person who says no is me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. And it's, what's interesting as I listen to you, and of course, you know, I'm always coming from a voice perspective, but to hear you say how stubborn you are and to say it so beautifully, I think is, I think is so important because that's, they don't line up, right? When we think about yeah. stubborn people, we think about are difficult. You say you're difficult. There's such a kindness and a gentleness about your voice. You really understand the concept of effective communication is where well, I'm ultimately you. going with that. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think stubbornness, it's really, it's one of those things. It, it can be a weakness, but it's also a strength. Mm. It served me so well in my business because Um, I have known other people who, you know, we started businesses at the same time and they gave up along the way. You know, believe me, there's been a lot of times where I've been tempted to do the same. But just that fact that I was so focused on what I I knew my business could become. And I'm making it sound like I was always really certain. There were days when I was like, I do not know why I think I can do this. Um, And it really felt like it was out of reach. But because I stayed really fixed on this goal of of building a business around my skill set and around my family and my young kids. It's important for us as a family that I can work remotely because my husband's job does mean that we we have had to relocate a few times. So I, you know, I wanted something that was very um, it would just fit around my life because I, I knew that I couldn't commit to like an office-based employed job where I had to be there fixed hours and a fixed location. Um, So yeah, I've been very committed to that. And I think that's an example of stubbornness done well. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love that because we would automatically think stubborn is bad, but it really has served you well in a lot of ways, it sounds like. Yeah, it's it's a a weakness and a strength, I think. Right, (laughs) right, right, right. I'm so intrigued by that because I'm quite stubborn myself. So that's why I'm- The best people are. (laughs) <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> well, I, I, you said something in there that I want to circle back to, but I want to jump to mindset for a minute. This is certainly something that our both of our work is very aligned in. What goes on in the mind is a huge part of the execution. So talk a little bit about how you got into that, how you view mindset in your work, how you help people with mindset. Talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. So yeah, like I said, when I was working in the startup company that I used to run, I had no real appreciation of mindset. And looking back, it's it's something that if we had grasped it, then I think we would have suffered a lot less on the journey because, you know, we we had times where things were going really well, but we just felt really insecure. So for us, we 
in in that business, we we managed to go through our entire four year growth plan in a single year. It just all happened really quickly, and it was so destabilizing. We we felt really unsettled by it because it was like what is going on? We didn't plan for this. We thought this would take time to achieve and it just all fell into place with sort of two or three big contracts. And it really, you know, it, I think it was almost like kind of a bit of an earthquake for us because like the ground has shifted and you're suddenly like the world isn't how I thought it was because I was bringing all this scarcity to the table. And then you suddenly realize like just how different the landscape can be based on your own mindset and perspective. And so that was something that I, to be honest, I came into my business six years ago still being quite unaware of it. And it's as I've gone through this journey, building a business under my own brand, which feels very different. I've really started to understand just how much of an impact mindset has on everything that you do. Um, Everything that you say to yourself every day, um, it really is central. Do you feel like, I mean, obviously mindset affects whether people can build a seven-figure business. Is that an accurate assumption? Would you say that mindset plays a role in that? I would say that it's possible to do it without kind of doing all the mindset work, but it is a lot smoother and Mm. it can be a lot easier if you do the mindset work as you go. It's kind of, you know, you're going to climb up a sheer rock face. You're going to take the stairs. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when I go to work with people, immediately the first pillar is about the psychology of the voice, which is ultimately mindset and the noise in your head. And people are surprised at that sometimes. Do you find when people come to work with you that they're surprised at that? Or is that one of the reasons people seek you out? Yeah. So because it's something that I focus on quite a lot in my own content now, Mm. um, I talk about it on my podcast. I talk about it in my weekly emails to my list it's something that people come to me knowing that it's there seeing that it's holding them back and just feeling like, yes, but I see it now, but what do I do about it? Um, And so I think because it's been something very personal for me, you know, I I grew up with a ton of scarcity as a lot of us have. And I believed a lot of very scarce things about the world in terms of like opportunities are hard to come by. Money is hard to make. If you want to make money, you have to work hard. That's a massive thing for the women in my audience, because they're high achievers, they've excelled in school and university and in their corporate career. And so for them, you know, hard work gets exam results, hard work gets promotion. So they come into their consulting business and suddenly it's like, it's not about working hard. Actually, if you set up your consulting business around hard work, you just feel like you're about to hit burnout. So actually setting up the business so that you can reduce your hours, but increase your earnings it's a completely different way of seeing it. And I think mindset is always going to be a journey and we're always learning. One thing that surprises me is that how much it works in cycles and you think, oh, I've totally beaten this. And then it comes up again um, when you hit the next stage of your business. But the more times you deal with it, the more easier it does get to go through that process and not feel completely destabilized by it. But I think the first time you're hitting some of these mindset blocks, it just feels like the world is ending sometimes, even though on paper, like it clearly isn't. But it's It's that gap between our perception and reality. I love that. And how many times I have heard, are you kidding me? I thought I had fixed that. Yeah, It's just layers and layers, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like mindset, I know you work with professional women. Is that correct? Yeah. Right. Okay. I find across the board, men and women, people struggle to from a voice perspective, for sure, show up as themselves. Yes. Do you see that? And is mindset, in your opinion, part of that? People trying to be whatever they think they're supposed to be. Yeah, I think that is huge. It's been huge for me in my life. It's often huge for my clients as well, because it's that high achieving, tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. And I think sometimes when you're new in business as well, you can you can want to attract clients and it's almost like I'll I'll say anything if you if you'll sign with me I'll do anything um and I think this is one of those things it's very easy to say but like when you realize it it's like a little light bulb that goes off but like the more you are yourself the better everything works because you're attracting the people who they're not drawn to the version of yourself that you're sort of trying to be they are drawn to you the person and so there's a much stronger chance that you'll be a good fit and you'll work together well because you're not kind of we're not trying to twist who you are to fit someone else's perception, if that makes sense. 
A hundred percent. I talk about that as the people pleaser mask. Yes. I'm trying to be what I think you want me to be, but I don't know even know what you want me to be. And you can you can act it out perfectly, but it doesn't work because it's inauthentic. Right. And we we can just sense that, can't we? Yeah. It's and it's all going down subconsciously, right? It's an energetic kind of I don't I call it's it so fascinating, isn't it's, it? It's it's truly really fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's all it's unspoken. there and we we pick up on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just I, I love this conversation and it seems so simple, doesn't it? Just be yourself. It's yeah, the hardest thing we ask people easy. to do, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I think so often there are things about us that maybe we haven't accepted or that we find like, you know, but I just wish I was like this instead. So it's kind of, I think it's a very healing thing to sort of make peace with the person that you really are inside and start to show up authentically as that person just it's a lot easier actually but the process of getting to the point where you're willing to allow people to see you you know that vulnerability almost um that that can be a very difficult process to to work through as you kind of strip back the layers of protection that you've had in place for yourself sure and i i know when people get here they're sometimes exhausted from holding that all together do you find the yeah. same thing it's it, they're just exhausted yeah. And I think when I've when I've been through seasons in my business that with hindsight, I think, yeah, I was I was trying to be who I thought I needed to be rather than being authentic to actually my my needs and preferences and abilities. I think those are the seasons where I felt most kind of drained and most like something has changed because I, I can't do this day in, day out. And I how we feel actually in the business is a very, very important thing that we're we're very good at airbrushing or kind of steamrollering over but it is actually very important to to understand like are you showing up in the right way um are you are you being true to like the skill set and the business that you actually should have or are you are you spending all your energy trying to make yourself into something different yeah do you think that social media plays a part in that have you seen that or have a feel for we live in the instagram world and so that that even elevated the expectation that we're going to show up perfectly or like the Instagram, the perfect Instagram photo? Oh, yeah, it's a really funny one, isn't it? And uh -huh. I have a really interesting sort of relationship with social media because on one hand, like, you know, being on Facebook, you know, they tell me when my Facebook anniversary is. I think I've been on Facebook for 13 years. During that time, it has been a big part of my life. Um, I built my business for the first four or five years exclusively on Facebook. Um, right now, I, I'm sort of in a place where I feel like I've done 13 years. I might be good to not do it for like quite yeah. a while. LinkedIn is where I love to engage with people. I feel like LinkedIn is absolutely um, a place that I love to be. But for me, it's not so much about reading loads of content. It's really about reaching out to people and having conversations. And Instagram, it's just not for me. Um, I, I feel really strongly against this whole look at my perfect life look at mm -hmm. my filters look at my beautiful children my life is you know like I could I could take photos of my family that would look like that but it's one moment of one day and there's so much other stuff there's yeah. the tantrums and you know the fighting and the mess and all of these things I I, I don't know I, I don't really have much time for trying to make everything look perfect when we just have to know that no one's life is perfect and I just think behind all of these pictures that we see on social media, it's so easy to look at them and sort of buy that that's what someone is like, or that's what their life is like, or that's how they feel. But I just think behind all these pictures, there's almost always a narrative that is so starkly different, you would not believe it. So yeah, yeah I, I think it's something that we have to sort of use in good ways, but not kind of be consumed by it. And that is a tricky balance when you have an online business for sure. For sure. And I agree a hundred percent. I see so much comparison among my people. I see so much comparison, especially among even the teens that I work with. And, and, you know, I see a lot of imposter. I, I see a lot of people struggle with imposter syndrome as well. I, I often wonder if social media plays into that, but do you see the same thing? Who am I hmm. to build yeah. this business? Yeah. And I, so it's really interesting. One of the reasons that mindset has become a really central thing in the work that I do is because when I coached women and we didn't deal with mindset front and center, it just did not work. You can't hmm. do strategy 
if the mindset is is they're sabotaging everything that that's you know they're trying to take one step forward and they take two steps back because that's how it works when your mindset is out of kilter with actually your ambition and what you're trying to do. Um, I've I've very much found that focusing on mindset it just it changes everything about the coaching relationship because mm-hmm. you're dealing with stuff at the root rather than thinking you know why is this client come back and instead of doing the thing that she told me she wanted to do she's done like something completely different and it hasn't achieved her goals at all you go in and you really understand like how are they feeling what's going on why are they why is there this drive to take away the thing that they most want and i think we all have that to some degree and sometimes it's something that's very much in the forefront and it's something very big and sometimes it you know you can sort of shrug it off and you you see that it's there but it doesn't stop you from taking action but um i i think that we have to almost be ready to like switch off the voice that's there or turn the volume down on the voice that's kind of there saying, you don't know how to do this. No one thinks you're very good at this. You should not be trying. You know, that, that kind of questioning voice, I think um, it only has power if you, if you pay attention to it. And what I like to do with people as an exercise is literally get them to write down every mean thing that they're saying to themselves, every kind of like, and I do it sometimes, like if I'm, if I'm doing like a sales page for a launch and I might just be sitting there being like, I feel like I just, I, I don't have the words. And you think I do have the words, but every time I go to write it down, I say to myself, no one's going to buy this. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, why yeah. would you want to write something if you're sure that you're going to get rejected for it? You're not going mm-hmm. to. So I get them to write down every thought like that that comes into their head. People are not going to want to work with me. People will not pay these prices. No one thinks that I'm very qualified in this area. All of those like things that we can say to ourselves And then literally go through with like a red pen and be like, is that really true? And Mm. it's not always about kind of taking away the sting of those things that they're saying to themselves in sort of one second. It's more about starting to question because I think when we start to question that negative voice, that's a really, really powerful tool for not letting it stop us in our tracks. Yeah, I love that. And I do something similar with people around their voice. I'm afraid I'm going to forget the words. Now, is that ultimately true? Or is it a perception that's off in the future that may or may not happen? And that's what we do, isn't it? We buy into the could happen or might happen or, you know, or a lot of times I see people, they've brought a story from the past. Well, back in 93, I stood up and I said X, Y, Z, and I got yelled at and they're still dragging it with them. Yeah. And it's so interesting that we all have these little things, don't we? And sometimes you have not connected the dots into like why you feel uncomfortable in a certain situation or why you anticipate a negative outcome. And actually, if you, if you do the work, and I think sometimes just therapy can be really helpful for this because it's, it's starting to connect some of those dots in, in a bigger way. But yeah, I've, I've had so many clients who've been like, my mom thinks this about me. My mom has told me that I'm not good at this. Well, you know, like growing up, you know, they might've had a certain thing happen at school where a teacher told them off publicly and gave them that kind of shame feeling. So they always avoid situations where they might feel the same. It's yeah. so interesting. Um, and it's so, so powerful. I think when we start to address some of those things, instead of having the knee jerk reaction, starting to be like, why, why do I feel like that in that situation? Because it can be completely counterintuitive when you actually look at it with kind of a like an open perspective, which is almost impossible to do when you're the one who's in that situation. Oh, for sure. Because we all have blind spots. And I think that's why coaches, I'll always have coaches for the rest of my life. I'll be in the nursing home and my coach will be coming to see (laughs) me, right? Because we all have blind spots and it's just so valuable. I want to ask on that imposter syndrome in that family do you feel like mindset and all this noise in people's heads, like what we're talking about, do you think that's at the core of why some people, and I was just having a conversation, this exact conversation with a business friend of mine last night, why do some succeed and some thrive? You have, you know, your competitor, there's you and your competitor and, and they're just knocking it out of the park. And you're doing okay, but they are knocking it out of the park. Mm. Does it all go back to mindset or is part of its strategy is, you know, what are the factors in that? That's a really good question, actually. I think um, sometimes we look at, you know, it's the social media trap. We look Mm. at the person who's knocking out the park Mm -hmm. and you think they must have so much money. They must feel amazing. Everything must be amazing in their world. 
But I bet if you talk to them, they don't feel amazing. They feel out of their depth. They feel tired. Mm. They feel overwhelmed. You know, there's a whole kind of other side to that narrative. And we like to simplify things. And I think we can always have that narrative ourselves of like, when I make this much money in my business, I will be happy and fulfilled. And then you make that much money and you, you don't feel any different. I think that's been a really stark thing that I've experienced, you know, telling myself once I have a certain amount of money coming in, I won't feel worried about the future. I won't feel insecure in any way. And then you have the money and it's just like, well, that's just numbers on a screen. That doesn't mm-hmm. make me feel any different at all. So it's it's understanding kind of why we have some of these um, things going on in the first place, I think, and realizing that the narrative we attach to it doesn't always fit. It feels convenient. So you kind of think, I have this negative feeling and some money, it will go away. Actually, mm. that's not the paradigm. So I think that can be a really interesting thing. Um, but sometimes we just have different struggles. So it could be that one person really struggles with visibility. And I don't know if you find this, Tracy, but you know when something is an issue for you and you can get a real chip on your shoulder about it and be like, well, it's easy for them because they don't feel like this about that. Right. You know, if I was happy to go and do that, then I'd have all this too. And I think we have to be honest sometimes and just say, do you know what? I'm a bit jealous of that person. I want what they have. Mm -hmm. And I think often that intensifies for women because we have a load of rules in place about why we can't do it or why we aren't doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas if we just kind of got over that a little bit and thought, well, I'm jealous. That means I want it too. So what Mm -hmm. am I going to do about it? It's much easier to sit and sulk than it is to take a scary step in your business and do something that terrifies you. Because I, I really do think, you know, it's not like you should go out looking for the the hardest thing you could do but quite often the things that we're most resistant to are the things that would most push the business forward yeah boy that's powerful right there and do you find that i know i already know you what you're i think i already know how you're <laughs> going to answer this but of course i work with women and men and i have tons of high achievers but i find women so hard on themselves mm. it's unreal Do you see this? I mean, this expectation, and it's not expectations per se that the world is putting on them, it's within themselves. Do you see the same thing that we have to get that into a realistic framework? Absolutely. So yeah, high achieving women, we've often got to where we are by beating ourselves up. You know, we have been Mm -hmm. there every step of the way being like, you better do better. You better pass this again. You better get an A. Um, And actually that drive can take you quite far and it's quite common. Uh, This has happened to me as well, that like you push yourself to the point of burnout or breakdown. And then actually you're just like, I can't do life like this anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. you've pushed yourself literally further than you can go. And then everything just kind of unravels a little bit for you in that moment. And you realize this is not the way to do life. That's the journey that I've been on since I was 28, 29, um, 11 years ago. Um, and it was just, it was really that thing of realizing I've been doing life wrong and I didn't even realize I was doing it wrong at the time, but like you can achieve more when you're not pushing yourself with that aggressive kind of frustration and kind of, you know, noticing all the things that you're not doing perfectly. So often I think women, we think if I do it perfectly and better than everyone else, then it will succeed. That is just not the way business works at all. It doesn't have to be perfect. It has to be good enough for your audience. And that doesn't always mean that it has to be the best you can possibly make it. But, you know, the, the misery that we cause ourselves by aiming for perfection when it's not required, just because that's how we are programmed. And that's how kind of the, the school system, our parents, ourselves. I think you're right. Often it does come from within. I, I have put more pressure on myself than any other person um, in my world has. Um, and it's learning to, to be kind and compassionate to yourself rather than always pushing hard. Yeah, and I as you're as you're saying that I'm thinking back as well to what you were saying about looking at that Instagram story and that thriving versus not thriving and and all these moving parts and it it made me think about and wonder do women hold themselves up to a standard of other women that they see excelling as well more so than say men would Mm, I think that's an interesting one because men definitely, I think they feel a lot of pressure to match up to their peers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like if everyone is is displaying a certain level of masculinity, then traditionally it's a shameful thing not to do the same. So kind of showing emotion or showing weakness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. that's something which which men feel very insecure about I think and um, but with women I think we can believe that the appearance of things too easily so instead of kind of having the empathy to say do you know what that person makes being a mum look so easy um you know my experience in motherhood has been um I, my kids are so different from each other one has um, some learning difficulties and and struggles a bit with with things that like his brother doesn't um they're both like they're both amazing in different ways for sure um, but my experience of being a first time mom, I was like, I feel like an atomic bomb just went off in my life because <laughs> I can't seem to do anything. Like just going to the post box makes me feel like I, I need to have a lie down when I get back. It's exhausting trying to look after this little person. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas then when I had my second, I was like, oh, this is why my friends always wanted to go out for coffee. This baby is easy. <laughs> oh, wow. What, what was that last time? And so I think, you know, everyone has got such different circumstances. And mm -hmm. I think kind of having had a little bit of a special needs kind of journey, it makes you realize like, if unless you've gone through that, you just don't realize how it can feel and how hard it can feel. But I think that's true of um, kind of children and personalities anyway. Some children are very defiant. Um, they're very spirited. Isn't that a great word? I for sure was a spirited child. Mm -hmm. I have spirited children and spirited nieces, um, you know, but I think, you know, your personality comes into it as well. So you can look at someone and just think they make it look so easy. They may not have had to fight the battles that you have to just get people to put their shoes on. Um, right. <laughs> very often they have, and it's all internal. You just can't tell by looking whether someone is thriving or not. And I think it's a difficult thing, isn't it? Because we want to kind of relate to people positively. And so we don't always, you know, if someone says, how are you doing? You don't always go, oh my gosh, I feel so bad about myself today. And I'm so hungry because I'm on a diet because I think I weigh too much. And like, you know, yeah. you don't always want to like let that out. It's not always healthy for other people. It's not always healthy for you. But how do we get that balance between kind of seeming so perfect that we're unapproachable, um, but also so messy that we're just like, you know, there's like a hazard light going off being like, do not approach you won't like yeah. what happens when you approach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, you know, you said it, uh, that I love what you said about the atomic bomb going off. And I think that's actually applicable here. Mm. It goes back to that, let me hold it together. So you think that my life is fantastic. Yeah. While meanwhile, it's raining in my bedroom because the pipes burst <laughs> kind of <Yeah>. thing, <laughs> you know, and I'm drawing from my own experience right now. But, and then that atomic bomb does go off because yeah. we buy into a perception that that's the expectation. Yeah, definitely. And I think for, say for introverts like me, and I, I don't know, it's difficult with introvert stuff, isn't it? Because it's very trendy now to be an introvert. But believe me, I've been an introvert when it was not trendy to be one. <laughs> but I think we can feel the pressure to be like, I must yeah. go on camera. I must be like, hi, everyone. And like super life and soul of the party. And actually that is exhausting if that's yeah. not true to who you are kind of underneath it all. And I, I've done my business through seasons where I had major things going on in the background and, you know, from like having a, like a whole house renovation and like just having to coordinate all of that. Like when I wasn't on Zoom calls and like, you know, negotiating with the builders when they were going to take certain walls out because it would affect the broadband and all that kind of stuff. Um, but also, you know, I went through um, my second pregnancy and morning sickness at the same time, my dad passed away. And I, you know, I, I kept up my, my presence in my business. And I didn't tell clients, actually, my life is kind of falling apart here in the background yeah. and I'm going through major stuff. But like, I would come off the call, I would give it everything I had for an hour and then I would go lie down and sort of, it was, it was almost compartmentalized. But I think yeah. that, was, that was actually a, a healthy thing for me at the time because mm -hmm. I knew that I could hold it together for the things I needed to. So it gave me permission to kind of feel how I was feeling in the, in the rest of that. Yeah. So I, I do think in different seasons, I don't know, it, it's, it's a tricky balance, isn't it? It's not 100% one thing and 100% the other. But I, yeah, I think generally I would say the principle is that like if, you are, if you're trying to be something that you're not, it just it won't resonate with people in the same way. And I think it's so interesting, this whole, this whole thing of like, especially how voice comes into it. And I'm sure you've noticed this, that like you can sometimes hear um, when someone is being authentic in their voice and you can hear when they're being inauthentic. And I know um, from recording my own podcast, um, like there are bits that my editor has had to really work on because I've been saying something about maybe like a new program that I'm doing 
Um, and like, I found myself tripping over my words for no apparent reason, because it's kind of like, oh, it's new. Oh, what are people going to yeah. think? Yeah. Um, it's really interesting kind of how these, these emotional things can, can show up like visually and in our voices and the way that we do business. Oh, for sure. I call it the bulletproof glass because the minute I hear it, it's a barrier between me and you. And it, and it doesn't yeah. mean I, I can't hear you or see you. It means I can no longer connect with you yeah. because you disconnected ultimately from yourself. Yeah. And, and really what you just said and all of that, I heard it go right back to authenticity. It, it all goes back to, you know, I, I really love what you said about introverts. And I think that this is a bad teaching out there in the world that says to an introvert, you've got to be fantastic yeah, because you don't. What is the best version of you? Mm. And so I think that can be damaging in a way to an yeah. introvert that looks at an extrovert and says, wow, they're really comfortable and dynamic. I'll never mm -hmm. be that. So I won't show up. Yeah. And really that's not what they need to be at all. What is yeah. the best version of themselves? I didn't know it was trendy yeah. to be an introvert right now. How cool. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's totally, it's totally become the thing. You know, I think we talk a lot more online about like for me as an introvert, whereas like I, you know, growing up, like literally as someone who was like, I have to go to a party and I don't know why, because parties are fun. Everyone loves parties, but I am freaking out and I want to yeah. go home and I don't know why. You mm. know, I think, um, I mean, it, we all feel different things at different times. And I have actually done what they say you never do, which is um, when when I was pregnant, I, I became more introverted. And then when I wasn't pregnant anymore, I, I moved back to like borderline, but more on the E side than mm -hmm. the I side, which, yeah, they say that like your Myers-Briggs does not change, but I think that whatever you've got going on kind of in your life, it, it brings to bear in the way that you present yourself to the world and what you have energy to cope with for sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. So I know I'm going to run out of time soon. So I want to jump to money and okay. I have two questions around seven figure business mm -hmm. based on things I hear, things I see, perceptions that I know to be true. And you can answer them in any order you want. But first is, why do we feel like that is so elusive? I think there is a perception that, you know, that's kind of the holy grail in a lot of ways. And, and it's a quest. And will we ever make it there? I yeah. hear that from a lot mm -hmm. of people. And I would love for you to talk about that. And then I also would love for you to talk about, and I haven't seen this in a while, but there was a huge period of time where people, coaches were touting their seven-figure business to get business, mm -hmm. and that did not exist. Yeah. So yeah. I'd love your thoughts on both of those. So I'll jump to the second one um, quickly. I agree. I saw a lot of that kind of four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I think basically it becomes a bit of a coaching pyramid, and I've blogged about this before in the past, um, because, you know, you get this whole coaches, coaching coaches to be coaches, mm -hmm. and it's like, mm -hmm. oh, my gosh. And it's mm -hmm. kind of like, does anyone in that scenario actually make any money from their business? Because so often it, it becomes something that is built around marketing techniques that they have not had work for them, um, that then they are passing on. And it's the passing on of things that makes the money, but it never really results in anything tangible. So yeah, I feel really strongly about that. And yeah, that was a frustrating season for me because I, I started out my business wanting to be a business consultant because I hadn't actually come across the, the concept of a business coach at that time. And then people always said, oh yeah, Jessica, she's a business coach. So I was like, okay. But then you kind of feel like this is a label um, that is very loaded. And I still meet people who, when we first talk, their barriers are way up because they're like, you're a business coach, therefore you don't know anything. You're going to try and like oh, do really wow. hard sell tactics on me. Um, and, you know, very quickly when people meet me, um, it's happened more than once that they've been like, I'm really sorry, because when when I realized you're a business coach, I know that I was a bit funny about it. But like, I can already see that, like, you are not that kind of business coach. So it's a very loaded term. And it's very hard to be a business coach when yeah. when there's this like whole negative um, practice associated um, with that. And 
it's never really been something that I've wanted to do because I just I just think if it hasn't worked for me, I won't ever recommend it to a client either because you, it's not validated. You can't vouch for it. So I think yeah. that's very important. Um, and I'm glad that it's something that we see a lot less of. I think mm-hmm. um, it's really interesting kind of people who have come through kind of female entrepreneur circles and been on the online business circuit for a while, they are often very jaded about those things. And if you speak to women who have come from a corporate background, often they're like kids in a sweet shop because they've never heard any of the stuff that everyone has the baggage about. Um, and part of what I what I do is be like, I don't think you should go and do that course actually. Like, I don't know if that's going to teach you the things that you you think it should. Just as someone who's been through that and had the credit card debt at one point to to show for it, um, it, I think people can be very good at marketing their services, and they they're very good at saying exactly what you want to hear and exactly what will make you get your credit card out. But they are not necessarily able to help you. And yeah. again, I think that's why mindset has become such a big thing because you can you can know exactly what to do and yet spend every day not doing it. So. Right. For me, for me, that's that's a massive thing. Um, sorry, both of your questions I feel like I could talk about for an entire day. Um, remind me what the first question was again. So why is fr- seven figures so elusive? So elusive. Why do we yeah. feel like that we'll never get there or we strive for that? And maybe everybody doesn't feel that way. I just hear a lot of talk about that in business groups that I'm in, yeah. that that's the ultimate goal. Yeah, and I think... I don't know. Again, there can be this sort of like inflation with coaching. Um, at one point, everyone was saying, I'll teach you how to have a six-figure business. And then it became, I'll teach you oh. how to have a seven-figure business. And sometimes it's even, I'll teach you how to have an eight-figure business. Yeah. Um, and you just think, oh, for goodness sake. But um, it's not for me, it's not necessarily about like the literal size of the business. It's more about the mindset of the business owner, but also what is going on in that business. So I quite often work with women who, like they are the expert in their field. Sometimes they know this, they're painfully aware of it and that their business doesn't match up to like their expertise level. And sometimes Mm. they genuinely haven't seen it yet. They just tell themselves they're rubbish at everything and they're lucky to get like a few piecemeal contracts their way. So like for me, it's not about seven figures for the sake of like a sort of vanity metric in your business. But I think money is so interesting, isn't it? Basically, Mm. because to someone like spending $2.99 on a coffee is really expensive and a waste of money for the next person. That's like, you know, money that they could lose and not give it a second thought. And that kind of attitude to money, is it a lot of money or is it not very much money? That never really goes away. So for some people spending $200, that's a fortune. That is a waste of money. Mm -hmm. For other people that is pocket change. They just do not care. And so I always think it's really interesting with these kind of conversations around six figures and seven figures in a business. Um, to you, does does six figures feel like a lot? Does seven figures feel like a lot? And it's about changing the landscape so that your perception of it is not this kind of, it's so far away. Um, and that again, there is, I, I have spoken for hours about this on my podcast, um, but I would say in summary, we can imagine that the the way to get to seven figures is to sell the little tiny thing that we sell at the moment for $500 like a million times. <laughs> yeah. Obviously you want to check my maths on that because it's not exact. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, we, we very much think it's about getting a massive audience because yeah. that's what like this big name coach over here does. She has a massive empire. So I have to have that too. Um, one of the things that I feel like I've been put on this earth to do is say to people, you do not need to sell this tiny thing like lots and lots of times. What you need to do is make something big and sell it twice. It can yeah. be that simple. And like literally the way that we grew the consultancy firm that I used to run was by getting like three or four big contracts, 250,000, that kind of size. Wow. Well, you get three of those, four of those that you've got your million, haven't you? It, it doesn't have to be like this big, scary right. thing, but the thing that is stretching in that is like your perception of what is a piece of work? What's a reasonable amount of money to charge? And we so often go for a number of clients. I need to increase that. Mm. Whereas I say to people, that is going to make your life a misery. What you actually need to do is increase the value of the work that you're doing. So I say quite a lot, um, it's about value over volume. Don't increase your business. Don't grow your business according to volume. Grow it by value. Yeah, that's really good. I really, really like that. And so we make it hard, don't we? Yeah. 
We do it to ourselves. It doesn't have to be that hard, is what I hear That's you saying. One of the things, yeah, I've, I've said that um, on the podcast quite a lot. Um, when I was building my business, like in the early days, people used to say it's easy to make six figures. And for me at that time, six figures felt like the mountain. It was like, this is a scary amount of money that I've never had before, that yeah. I've never seen all together in one place before. Like that doesn't feel like something that's attainable. Um, whereas actually when my business started to grow, I was like, I just signed the biggest client I've ever signed. And it was the easiest sales call I mm. ever had. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes it can be very simple. Like, you know, if you if you set your prices right, you can make a small number of sales and make like more money than you've ever made. Um, that can be very simple, but the process of doing it is not always easy. And that's where mindset comes in for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Well, this is just amazing. And you are amazing. And I know you're a you're an award-winning LinkedIn. What is the award that you got over there on LinkedIn? You write amazing oh, yes. articles. Um, Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I really do love LinkedIn. I have a lot of fun over there and I put out content and um, three times a week, but I was named um, the LinkedIn top voice for entrepreneurship and small business um, at the end of 2019. So yeah, that was that was such an honor. And it was because I had been talking about the gender pay gap for women consultants. Um, you know, I, I've just heard too many stories about um, women who are like, oh, hey, I found out that this other guy who's a consultant for this company I work in, he gets paid three times what I do and I'm more qualified than he is. And so I've, I've, I've had that. That's a drum that I've been banging um, for a while because, you know, this should not be the way that the world is. Mm -mm. And Mm -mm. when, when you set your own prices, there is no reason why there needs to be a pay gap. That's absolutely something that we can fix and we can end. So yeah, I'm super passionate about that. Yeah. And do you see that? I know I'm going to have to wrap it up. I know I've got to let you go. But do you see COVID affecting more women starting their own businesses? Yeah, it's an interesting one because COVID has done so many things. And I think that women have been disproportionately affected in in all kinds of ways. Um, I've known a lot of women who have their own businesses who have like, no one's asked them to, but they've been like, I will set my business aside um, and I will, I will kind of take over with the kids, which, you know, we, we do love our children, don't we? We mm-hmm. want to look after mm-hmm. them and make sure they're okay. But it's, it's that kind of real assumption that like their business is insubstantial. Um, maybe they aren't the breadwinner. Maybe they've never kind of, they still have this idea of themselves being like the little housewife who just sort yeah. of has a part-time job. And, you know, I work extremely part-time hours. For a lot of last year, I worked a day and a half a week. I, I love that about my business that um, you're able to to grow it and also shrink it at the same time in all the right ways. But I think that women have been really hit hard by um, the need for childcare and particularly mm-hmm. with schools closing. I don't know, in my house, I think me and my husband have felt it equally. We've both found it really tough, mm-hmm. um, but we have very much kind of taken a 50-50 um, approach to everything because yeah. actually, I don't know, that's really important to us in the way that we model life to our boys we want them to to see women as like an equal partner and someone who is important and not just the person who stays home when everyone else goes out or whatever that yeah. might mean in in you know someone's unique circumstances but particularly here in the UK when it's come to financial support a lot of women who have their own businesses have fallen through the cracks of the government support because they are not the breadwinner so yeah. um they they wrote into the terms of um, the self employment support which was very different to the support for employed people. That if you had someone who um, earned more than you in the household, then you didn't qualify for anything, which you can kind of understand. But like that has had a huge impact on women. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So, but to be fair, a lot of the women who I have spoken to um, and all of the women that I've worked with have made more money in the last year than they did the year before. And I think it's, so it's one of those funny things like COVID has increased the intensity of life. And I think often that increases the drive to yeah. to stop faffing around, to stop yeah. listening to all the negative voices and just get uh-huh. out there and do it. Get it, yeah. And, and I've definitely found that in seasons of my own business where, you know, the, the more complicated life is behind the scenes. Like, you know, I said before, like when um, I just had a big family bereavement and I was pregnant and we were moving to a new city and everything was crazy. I grew my business loads that year because I got out of my mm-hmm. own way. I didn't have mm-hmm. the emotional energy to argue with myself. And it was really eye-opening, just like, look what I can do when yeah. I'm not, you know, fighting myself every step of the way. So yeah, that, I really do think that mindset is so foundational to all of these things. And ultimately, if you, if you want it 
And if you work for it enough, no one can get in your way sufficiently to stop you from doing it. That's totally been my experience. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, what's the name of the podcast again? Remind me. So my show is called the Seven Figure Consultant Podcast. Right. That's your whole brand. Yes, it is. Yes. Okay. Great stuff on that podcast. I highly encourage all of you to take a listen. You will learn so much. Otherwise, is the best place for people to find you LinkedIn or your website or where, sure. where do we send people? So I have a website, which is jessicafernley.com. And that's Fernley, which is F-E-A-R-N-L-E-Y. There's a silent A in there. Um, before I got married, I had no concept that I would be spelling out this surname to people for the rest of my life. <laughs> but that's fine. Um, so jessicafernley.com. And then you can come and find me on LinkedIn. Um, send me a connection request and say, hi, I would love to connect with you um, if you're a woman. Um, with a consulting business and you're looking to to grow it that would you know I, I put out content all the time um, on yeah. LinkedIn um, with those things literally in mind yeah amazing content I'll tell you well thank you so much for your time Jessica this has just been amazing I think I could have you back as a as a featured guest every month and we could talk <laughs> oh, about so it. many things <laughs> so many things but this has been great and any any last thoughts that you want to share before we wrap it up I think one of the things that I have really I was, I was reflecting on this for some reason with my husband a few days ago and I was saying that like one of the biggest things I've learned through my business is that like if you if you really are fixed on it, it doesn't really matter if people get it or not. Like when I started my business, my family did not understand. They were just like, what are you talking about? Online business? This is not a thing. Are you in some weird mm. cult now? Like they, they really <laughs> didn't get it. Um, and like at the point that they started to get it was at the point that it started to really work. And I think I always had that, like, even though I didn't feel strong all the time and I sometimes felt very insecure, I just always had this thing of like, I, I really know that this can work. I really know mm. that this is a good fit for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess for anyone who's listening, I would just say like, it doesn't matter if everyone else in your life thinks that you're crazy for doing this. If you have that spark and you know that this is who you are and this is the life you're supposed to have, just keep going because like you will get to a point where you can't mess it up enough to stop it from happening for sure. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. Well, thank you so much. It was just wonderful to have you here and have this conversation. So I definitely appreciate your time and I hope you'll come back sometime. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Tracy. You are welcome. And thank you, listeners. It's always great to have you with me. But I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. And until I see you next time, you know what to do. Get out there and speak your truth. Just do it beautifully. Thanks for listening to Captivate the Room with Tracy Goodwin. You can reach out to her at CaptivateTheRoom.com and be sure to grab the voice formula, a free video series that will help you start making a bigger impact with your voice today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes.